Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this February the 25th. Ah, yes, 2017. The very year of the great sign in the heavens, Revelation chapter 12. We have got brown breaking breaking things to talk about. Uh, There's three items in particular that Brian and I are going to talk about that are literally off the charts as far as biblical end-time prophecy is concerned. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to get my show notes together, get all my links ready. So we're going to, of course, play our normal introduction song. But into that event horizon happens. I want you all to know and understand this. That when you come here, you're not going to hear a bunch of theological mumbo-jumbo. We, your host, Matthew Miller, Brian Ingram, we come at this from a purely biblical perspective. And that means it's either in the Septuagint or the Adidoregia, it is either in the Masoretic or the Delich, or it doesn't exist. So we're not going to use those theological terms. We're not going to play like we appreciate those theological terms. Conspiracies. Tonight you're going to hear only things straight from the biblical text itself. And there are some mind-blowing things going on. Is everybody's yelling, the economy is recovering, the economy is recovering. Really? This very week, all of the family Christian bookstores are going to be closed, all 240 of them. In the very same window of time, J.C. Penney comes out and says it's closing 140 stores. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, funny thing about food, especially a real proper chef, they can make the food look so delicious and so dainty. But beware of the stench that goes forth from it, ladies and gentlemen. Because it might wind up turning quite sour in your gullet. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the End Time Tribune. Put your seat belts on and get your trays into the upright position, for we are heading headlong into the coming. Of Christ, our King. Welcome. You have activated all systems. Deactivation is not an option. You must find the truth. Everything is what it seems. If you don't stand 
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. I am your host, Matthew Miller, and we have got Brian on the horn. It is a great honor and a privilege to be with you here tonight. It it truly is. You know, ladies and gentlemen, thinking back over my childhood and uh, the great joy that always accompanied uh, the revivalist showing up. And then, of course, we'd have revival all week long. Uh, Just thinking about the simple fact that we can be here with the entire planet. We've got people, lots of people, I guess, listening from India, I guess, I guess from this week's correspondence, um, kind of hard communicating with them. Uh, People in, oh my goodness. The worst places possible as far as the Middle East go. Uh, Our Assyrian brothers and sisters have managed to get a few bits of correspondence out of Syria. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to know that if you do reside outside of the New World, uh, our prayers and our hearts go out to you. Uh, We do appreciate you, and we do realize that this is a very powerful tool that the Lord has given to the Brian Eye. And uh, we love you all dearly. And we're trying everything within our power uh, to get you prepared for what is to come. Uh, Because what is to come is not what you've been taught. It's not that at all. It's not even remotely close to what the Bible, God's holy word, states. So let's just get right to it. Uh, Brian, uh, how has your day went? We had some technical difficulties earlier. I uh, had some personal issues, of course. Everybody knows that uh, I'm of want to lose my temper when things don't go my way. Uh, that can especially be true when it comes to this stupid little thing called uh, the computer. But uh, I've fared pretty well today. How about yourself, Bri? Yeah, I guess all right. Bit tired here, but that's nothing new. Well, speaking about what's new, let's just jump right in this, Bry. Um, this week, things that you sent me were just off the charts, and I don't even know how to really address them right off the bat. Everybody knows that you and I both hate talking about uh, politics. It's it's irrelevant because God already told you and I both. Uh, I mean, he went way out of his way to make sure that what he said was what was written and got into our hands. So we know that all that junk's in his hands anyway. Uh, he appoints, he elects, he sets up, and he tears down. So I hate to talk about this, but it's a simple fact that you saw a shadow in this article. Uh, that was read because you and I talked about it before, so we're going to have to jump straight into this Trump effect, ladies and gentlemen, because Brian sent me this article from uh, Reuters, and what it says is completely off the charts. I'm going to read to you the first opening diatribe. President Donald Trump said he would make a massive budget request for one of the greatest military builds-up in American history. On Friday, 
in a feisty campaign-style speech, extrolling robust nationalism to eager conservative activists. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to try to derail the people that voted for Trump, and I'm not derailing the people that didn't vote for Trump because I didn't vote. I fear the Lord my God, and I don't cast my vote for the wicked. I don't. I, I can't cast my lot for the wicked. And it didn't take any rocket scientist to figure out that both of the candidates that were up for uh, choice were both wicked. I mean, that can both be proved of both of them beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I'm not trying to derail on anybody. But, ladies and gentlemen, the opening comments on the social networking site was just, well, let me just read this from a friend of mine, and I'm not going to say anything you know, one way or the other about it, because this is the heart of nationalism. Uh, they put in, I support the halt on the seven countries, and I support building up of our military and arsenal. I also support job growth and the wall. No, I appreciate that. Make no mistakes about it. Uh, Brian and I both support those things. Just from the very simple fact that how do you think we helped the entire world multiple times over? How do you think we got to be the greatest country, the greatest country on this planet? It's because of those very things. It wasn't because we were attacking people but because we had the arms and the job growth and our jobs and our children's futures were protected. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. I support job growth and, you know, a wall. So, you know, not so much the illegals, ladies and gentlemen. I really don't care about wetbacks because I know that, biblically speaking, wetbacks are refugees. I don't have a problem with those, but... I got a serious problem with the drug cartels that come here to destroy our children's future. Now that I got a problem with. I also have a massive problem with my military being illegally sent into the country of Iraq to kill a million citizens. That's illegal and unlawful. My military is under the mandate to defend this country. The only constitutional legality for engaging any entity is a military entity. Literally speaking, if the opposing force is, does not gather underneath a banner or have a uniform and have a general, it's illegal for us to kill those people if they don't if they're not in an opposing organized military force. That's murder. That's murder. So, with that being said, Brian, uh, your thoughts on this, because, ladies and gentlemen, it, this is the first writer. The first writer is nationalism. And maybe you want to share some about uh, what our sister Jennifer put in there, because she just hit the nail right on the head when it is a matter of fact in the liberal arts, ladies and gentlemen. You can't go take a painting class and not be told that, well, the symbolism of the white horse means nationalism. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's common knowledge. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If you go to an institution of higher learning and take any liberal arts classes, whether it be reading, you know, writing, uh, or art, or music, you're going to be taught this. That's what the white writer means. It always did. I mean, it's duh. Everybody knows that. So, Brian, your thoughts on this on this article and Christians' reactions to it? What are your thoughts on this? Not altogether shocking. I mean, we've watched this rise in nationalism for quite some time here, and it's definitely kicking off full force throughout other European nations. Right now, we've got a leader in Sweden. We have a person that's running for president in France that just went all over the Middle East this last week and caused all kinds of trouble. Um, you know, and I sort of put a reply in that same social network post. I mean, folks, you need to stroll around and take a look at some of these nationalist websites and these nationalist uh, social network groups, for instance, and you'll get an eyeful. And there's activity going on in many of these that have far surpassed acceptable behavior, period. So, you know, and he's uh, in the same release, he essentially, you know, stated that we are going to full force have a military buildup, completely kick more funding into military weapons, start increasing their production here in the United States, and let us echo back through history, folks. We've had two alarming things happen over the course of the last few weeks as is. Okay, we had somebody that was placed inside of the education department that has no prior political experience whatsoever and lo and behold, on top of it, guess whose sister it is? Your old Betsy Davos was elected in. Her brother happens to be Eric Prince, the forerunner creator of Blackwater. Now, in the last couple of days, we have this come forward. White House blocks several media outlets from press briefing. Okay, folks, when they begin to control the education, and they begin to control the media on top of it as we have a massive military buildup, which you don't just do for no reason whatsoever. Well, Brian, I hate to write on your party, but ladies and gentlemen, that's... Ladies and gentlemen... Don't you realize he might as well be talking about Joseph Goebbels? Ladies and gentlemen, you don't want somebody who... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, how, ma how many people has the United States killed through using mercenaries? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's, how, that's what Blackwater is. They are the black boots, ladies and gentlemen. You don't put someone involved with that in the Department of Education no more than you put Joseph Goebbels in charge of the education. You just don't do it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's 
Look, why do you think so many people in Vietnam that came back had so many problems, ladies and gentlemen? Because soldiers, they just, you can't psychologically kill men, women, and children that are not wearing uniforms, that are not doing anything wrong, and get away with it. Your mind will break. Your mind will break. Your spirit will be crushed, and you'll become something else. You will become a monster. We know this to be true. There is no shadow of any doubt in the psychological community that this has not been known for thousands of years. Let's go one step further. If this be true, what do you call a sentient being that does that for money? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a monster. So, you know, the bride just saying that publicly so that I can hear it just sends chills up my spine. You don't want anybody that had ever, ever had anything to do with Blackwater being in any educational institution, let alone the leadership of of that said institution, whatever it is. I don't care if it's an elementary school. I don't care if it's a preschool. I don't care if it's Head Start. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, ladies and gentlemen. I This can't be true. I mean, I know the old saying goes, you know, truth stranger than fiction, but ladies and gentlemen, this isn't strange. We've been down this road before. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, all the historians knows what happens when you put somebody like that in the Department of Education. It's a historical fact. It's not even remotely debatable. You don't put a mercenary monster anywhere in the same zip code with children. You just don't. But that's not the only thing going on. You know, that's that's not the only thing going on. That's not the only thing happening. And to be honest with you, I wish it was. But it's not. Because... Brian and I is going to have to talk about this, and everybody knows that that, that Brian is well-versed in this stuff. And uh, Brian certainly does not consider it a laughing matter, and if you try to display it as a laughing matter, he gets quite emotional with you. But Brian sent me this, and I didn't quite know how to word it. So I just posted it, and of course the Crusaders took off with it. But we're going to have to talk about the reality of this, ladies and gentlemen, because this is no joke. Lots of Christians reject that there's any power involved with doing such things. But I'm going to read to you this article. 
I'm going to just say a slight little diatribe about it, and then we're going to let Brian tell us whether such a thing is possible or not, but here is the post. Which is planned to cast spell against Donald Trump. The key ingredient to the ritual is an unflattering photo of the president. I posted it as such. As prophecy cycles through history, it leaves or creates shadows and silhouettes. The question is if God did have something to do with the Trump effect, riddle me this. Is this a rise of the reverse magi? I understand that a lot of you probably don't understand, don't have a context of what I just said. But Brian and I know a whole lot more of what – how do I want to put that? The, the wicked that run this world, we know a whole lot that they know. And unfortunately, I've had a lot of interaction with them because of my elevated status and accomplishments as a biblical mechanic… And my advanced knowledge into alphanumerics. Now that doesn't mean that I like these people and doesn't mean that they're my friends because they're not. But we have a level of understanding between us. They know that they can ask me and I've been commanded by the Lord, my God, to help them when I can. And to spread the gospel to them and to prove it to be true and make no doubts about it. I have beyond any shadow of a doubt done that very thing. <clears throat> I have noticed since I started the End Time Tribune, it uh, started uh, back in May of 2010. I've noticed that there are three of them that no longer correspond with me. That tells me one of two things. Either they're rotating in who it is that interacts with me, or they've actually accepted Christ as their king, which he is. I don't know because they're in great danger if that is the case. If that is the case, I would imagine that they would have told their associates that they accepted a job out of town for more money, and they disappeared. But Brian, uh, we need some edification right now. I don't particularly want you to bring glory to any particular individual or organization, but… Uh, please bring us up to speed. We need to know if such a thing is possible, uh, if these people do have any power, and uh, explain uh, to us why they would want an artifact that was his of a personal nature. They, they mentioned this unflattering photo. I'm not sure what that means, uh, whether you know it's he's in the buff or maybe he's having an affair or something like that. I don't know, but… Uh, if this wasn't his personal photograph, would that even make a difference? Uh, just tell us everything that uh, we need to know uh, about this, and if it is anything or is this just entertainment. Go ahead, Bri. Well, I'd say the photo is more or less a focus point. If you look further at the article, it brings up using a varied candle color, and then it brings up something quite interesting. The use of the tower tarot card, and only... One thing is associated with that flat out, and that's, that's full-blown disaster. So this is, uh, they go on in the article to point out that this is a harmless binding ritual. And sorry, folks, no, it's not. This is quite dangerous, 
And here's the case. Does this have any effect? Well, it states a curse cannot essentially land without cause. Well, folks, I guess that's where we get to play the roundabout, because does it have cause to land? Maybe I'll keep my mouth shut from here. Brian, so these tarot cards, uh, why do you say that? Um, so these tarot cards work, or this uh, this tower card, whatever it may be, explain that to us. Why do you call it a tower card? I, uh, that you have to remember, Brian, that a lot of people's listening to this to our voices that were born and raised in the church, and a lot of them are Catholics, and they think that you and I are Catholics, by the way. Which is <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, that's fine and dandy. Um, they don't understand what you're talking about. So can you explain why they would want to use a tower card or whatever it is you said? All right. Whoops. Sorry about that. I was trying to get to my uh, interface to unmute my mic. Um, well, this is a specific card within the uh, tarot deck called the Tower. And it's been, you know, it's essentially, here, we'll give the uh, little briefing on what the symbology of this one is commonly interpreted as meaning danger, crisis, sudden change, destruction, higher learning, and liberation. Uh, let's see. It is also a blessing in disguise change, albeit forceful change is being thrust upon you now and though it may feel like it is happening against your will you need to remember the yeah, blah 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 Carl Jung whatever uh, flat out what you need to know is this essentially like what it says right here danger crisis sudden change destruction that's what that card symbolizes and this is why they have chosen to use that um you know it's very it's a very fairly powerful little tactic to use a tarot card such as this in a quote-unquote ritual. And if this is a simple binding ritual, which is not even, not even close to resembling what a binding ritual is, is something that it's just like it sounds like, to bind something. That's not in the slightest what they are doing here. I see. So it sounds like to me that what you're trying to say is uh, something's going on that the general public, well, they're being told one thing and something else is actually in play, which doesn't sound altogether good to me. Because it, it's like these crusaders, the innocent ones, uh, because there are many of them that don't realize just exactly what they're caught up in. Uh, they think something bad is happening when it's actually just the opposite. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, they would lift up their prayers to counter this. And if it was meant by these witches to be a blessing, these poor, innocent, God-fearing people are praying for the opposite of that to happen. That actually happens in Greek and Hebrew word plays, by the way, and the Bible, God's holy word, he does that all the time, just so you all know. But 
I do want to say this, that, ladies and gentlemen, I have been repeatedly uh, asked this question over the vast decades by the Kabbalist. They have repeatedly wanted to know how the Magi accomplished the working of the Annunciation to the Shepherds. Now, what I just said probably never even occurred to you, but the Kabbalists, they know exactly what the Magi were. And they are under the impression that it was the Magi that had commanded the angels to announce the birth of the king to the shepherds because the Kabbalist knows why it was shepherds that it was done to because you see the Magi had just ran across them in the field. So the Kabbalist knows that these shepherds probably blessed them in some way, perhaps provided them with some meat before they entered the city, and the Kabbalists are underneath the assumption that as they left them, they performed a working that produced the Annunciation to the Shepherds. I'm just going to leave that on your plate like that. The Kabbalists have not asked me why, they've asked me how. Now, when dealing with them, you have to understand that that means this topic is not up for debate. In their eyes, there is no consternation with the fact that the Magi was in fact responsible for that enunciation and they had performed some sort of working and the Kabbalists want to know how they did it. So literally speaking, we could be seeing a shadow and silhouette with the Magi in this very instance. That being the case, though, ladies and gentlemen, that would have absolutely nothing to do with Donald Trump itself, but it would have a whole lot to do with the sign that's going to occur in the heavens come September the 23rd, because a wondrous sign that is detailed in Revelation chapter 12 is going to present itself in the heavens on that time. Now, I appreciate the simple fact that you're waiting for me to make references for things that don't even exist in God's word. I'm not going to. I don't have time to waste your time. Time really is of the essence. I am going to tell you this, that I am privately working on my next blog post. The title of it is... Tohu Bohu, when time goes topsy-turvy. Most of you are probably familiar with that phrase, Tohu Bohu. It is up for theological debate. This phrase is mentioned in the book of Genesis, but ladies and gentlemen, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, that's not the only time Tohu Bohu is in the scripture. It's in there one other time. And in that very scripture, I'm going to tell you how that prophecy finishes out. For I have heard a voice as of a sick woman, the anguish 
as one bearing her first child. The voice of Zion's daughter grasping and spreading her hand, saying, Woe is to me now, for my soul faints because of murderers. Ladies and gentlemen, you might not understand why that's there and why Tohu Bohu would be in that scripture. But that's real and that's not a theological term. It is, however, a biblical term. It is, however, a purely a Hebraic term, that's for sure. The Kabbalists know all about it, do you? And if not, why? Why don't you know that when it's in the Bible? Why don't you know what they're called? Don't you know that what I just read was exactly what's described in Revelation chapter 12? I'm not lying to you. I can read it to you in Hebrew, and if that's too difficult for you, I can read it to you in Greek. I know what they both say, and I know what they both mean. So, <clears throat> Brian, when we look at things in this context, what just came out of your mouth, that these poor innocent Christians may be praying for their own destruction... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you don't even know what to be afraid of. I mean, really the only thing that can really touch most of you is your retirement fund. That's really the only thing most of you are intimate enough with to cause you distress. That's why I started out this broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, with Mentioning family Christian bookstores. They're closing all their stores. I mean, how many malls are we going to have left? I mean, you know, how many cities is that counting? Because we're going to be closing 140 J.C. Pennies. Let's talk about that. How many families are we talking about that's going to be without a job? How many families do you think work at 140 J.C. Pennies? How many families do you think work at 240 family Christian bookstores? You probably ought to get worried. You might be concerned. But not about that. You need to be concerned with what just happened that all of you pasted about. And I have had interaction with this one friend of mine before, and this is what he posts. Well, here, let me read these both, both from God-fearing people. I've watched them both. Here's what one says. If he is born again, then the blood of Jesus Christ covers him, and he cannot be harmed by spells. Amen, amen. Then the next one. This is the individual I was referring to. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all spells cast against Donald Trump and his administration will turn void and plague those that cast them. Amen. I want to put this to this friend of mine. I hope that you realize that 
the Greco Bible source code for Tohu Bohu says something else, and he does so by adding the negative particle alpha to a word, making it a wordplay so that two words here in a row, two words comprise this phrase with articles. Both of these words are comprised of a, neg of a negative article alpha, which means opposite of. If you think those witches didn't know what they were doing, you are grossly mistaken. Because Brian just brought it to your attention that it's a blessing in disguise. And it's a curse to those who can't perceive it. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, um, let's talk about this next article. It's off the chart. I know I'm leading the bry here by the bit, but these, these first three articles I really was pushed uh, to cover. And this disturbs me as well, that, that many people don't even understand uh, shadows and silhouettes in prophecy. That, that kind of bothers me that you don't understand that happens when history is replete with it. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is how I started off this post. As prophecy cycles through history, it leaves or creates shadows and silhouettes. The question is, if that be true then this is the opposite of the highway of return declared in Isaiah 19.23 and Jeremiah 31.21. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the exact opposite happening of what is supposed to be fulfilled in Isaiah and Jeremiah, the highway that's going to be created so the Jews can return home. Because this is I, – I don't even know how to say this. Even the iconography they used, I don't know how they understood to use that if they didn't know what they were doing because the website itself, the backdrop, is literally the apple of God's eye in the middle, in the complete center of the world, and it has these rotating arrows that keep pointing toward the apple of his eye. Ladies and gentlemen, they know exactly why they put that up on that website. And they're betting that you won't know what it means. But the article in question is despite detente with Israel, Turkey to host Hamas conflab. Palestinians abroad gathering backed by Hamas and Muslim Brotherhood aims to unite Palestinian diaspora for return. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They're trying to fund and militarily back up the return of all Palestinians back into the promised land. Brian, what's your thoughts on this? Because this is just off the charts. I don't even know what to say about it. I never saw this coming. I never perceived this, nor the article before it. I never saw a reverse Magi event happening. I never saw this coming. I knew nothing about it until you sent it to me. So why don't you uh, share with the listeners what the article details and your thoughts on it, please. Well, this article... Oh, lucky on that one. 
dealing here with uh, Hamas in Turkey. I mean, folks, you need to recall that the last few times now that meetings have went on in Istanbul, Turkey, they have not voted well whatsoever for Israel. We had during the time of uh, the Gulen coup in Turkey, they were in the middle of their UNESCO meetings, and suddenly, not the day that the coup happened, the day after the coup happened, they closed doors. All of a sudden, lo and behold, a few months later, UNESCO releases varied uh, items coming against Israel, against the capital, against you know them claiming the Temple Mount, all the way across the board. And if you look very carefully at what was stated in these articles as they were released from Israel, Israeli National News, they stated emphatically, that these decisions were made behind closed doors. Now, if you've been watching the power struggle that's been going on in Turkey, Erdogan continues to pass bill after bill after bill that's extending his powers as president, extending his duration in office, and this just continues to boil and build. So we had this pop out this week. Despite uh, the tente with Israel, Turkey to host Hamas confab. Despite the recent thawing of ties between Israel and Turkey, Istanbul is set to play host this weekend to a well-attended conference whose speakers and organizers are either affiliated with Hamas or once held senior posts in the Palestinian terror group. The Conference for Palestinians Abroad is named for the group organizing the event. It has faced criticism from the Fatah, controlled Palestinian Authority, and Palestinian Liberation Organization, who accuses the organizers of undermining the PLO's position as the sole legitimate representative of the Palestinian people. Hamas's military wing is one of bodies publicizing the event stated for Saturday and Sunday, which is also hosting among its speaker members of the Muslim Brotherhood. One of the leaders of the organizing group is Isam Masfada Youssef, who the U.S. Treasury Department has said was the head of Hamas political bureau at least until mid-2008. Yusuf, originally from Nabius in the southern West Bank, is currently a leader in the Interpol group named a terror group by the U.S. in 2003. The event's website presents a map of Israel with arrows pointing at the country and the caption, Our National Plan, The Path of Our Return. And take note, folks, the picture of that map, they've got Israel placed right at the center of the world. Other speakers include Majed Azir, who has been described in Egyptian media as the regional director of Hamas in Europe. He is officially a member of the Palestinian Return Center in London, which Israel at least considers an illegal group. Also on the list of speakers are media personalities such as Qatar-based Al Jazeera anchor Jamal Rayan and columnist Bashir Nayafi, as well as Zahir Bosari, Rowan Adaman, Ziad Alu, and others. Hamas have had similar events not just in Turkey, but throughout Africa and Latin America. It uses the Muslim Brotherhood organizational infrastructure in those countries to organize the events 
connect activists, raise funds, and engage in public relations worldwide. Now, folks, take note as well, within this last week, once again we had missiles come flying out of the Sinai um, from Egypt, coming into Israel, and once again, a couple days later, turned around, it was confirmed that ISIS was behind this. Now, within the last few days, reports have also come forward that in the Sinai, Christians there have been put on a list. There's been seven of them executed, and they have forced them to move out of the area, and now Egypt is scrambling to find a place to resettle them. So we've got right hand-in-hand with this, we have ISIS flaring up as well. And, I mean, we could go into all kinds of stuff concerning the Muslim Brotherhood, if you don't know too much about that. It essentially, at one point in time, was almost considered a secret society within the Islamic world. And there's a lot of things that go into that one as well. So, you know, let's see, what else do we have here? That we'll cover later. Okay, we had this pop-up this week, and most might be scratching their heads at first. And I made sure to take a double look when I see something very odd like this show up in the news. For the creators of the mysterious Ramallah signs in favor of a one-state solution. The signs which surfaced at the entrance to Ramallah on Thursday sparked a controversy in the Arab world and angered supporters of a two-state solution. The source of the posters remains a mystery. And if you go and find this article, which is from the Jerusalem Post, you'll see right here, this is a huge billboard, folks. We're talking some serious money, not to even mention the kind of connections you would have to have to get something like this posted. Now, why is Ramallah important? Well, according to many scholars, this is the, um, the spot here um, within uh, Tel and Mesbah is the prime candidate for what is known as Mitzpah from the book of Judges for one where the rebellion within the tribe of Benjamin took place. And, I mean, we had other events take place here. Let's see here. After the debacle at Aphek where the Hebrews lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines, Samuel gathered the people of Israel to Mitzvah for the Lord to identify their first king. And after the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem, they point, appointed Gedaladah, governor in Mitzvah, over the remaining residents. Jeremiah prophesied from here. He came to uh, Mitzvah from Ramah where the Babylonians had released him. Later, Ishmael, a member of the royal family, assassinated Gedaladah, despite Jeremiah's warning that the people would be in reproach and die if they went to Egypt. They persisted in going there. Now, let me point out something, folks. Depending on your translations that you use, when you see this term, this name, Ishmael, show up in the book of Jeremiah, you're also going to find the name Netanyahu right there in broad daylight as well. So this event that transpired in Ramallah caught my attention, and Matthew and I have spoken of this privately many times to watch out for a shadow and silhouette of the rebellion of Benjamin that took place here. 
Well, Brian, we did a whole broadcast on that one time, didn't we? I think that's, that that was when we released to the whole world that, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Netanyahu's in the Bible. That's why his dad named him, his family named that name. So, man, I couldn't even remember what the name of that episode was, but I know that was, oh my goodness, five years ago. Um, <clears throat> it just come to my mind because I, my notes on that show fell out of the uh, fell out of our uh, NSAB exhaustive uh, concordance, and Aaron brought them to me. Hey, these fell out, and I was like, oh, that's my, you know, and the, the paper was already yellow because it had aged so much. But oh my goodness, Brian, are are we seeing this come to pass right in our face? Multiple multiple items in one week. Uh, because all this news was released this week, right? Or. Oh yeah, I, I know. I know it was. I'm checking the dates. Um, it, it just makes me sick to my stomach that everybody else is running around talking about who knows what. When we've got some really important off the chart things going on now. Make no mistakes, Brian. Uh, I covered plenty of uh, news this week, and it came up again about the 2,500-year-old uh, jars. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, don't you understand what this means? I reposted it because the article in question, uh, they gave some more very enlightening details ladies and gentlemen, uh, some mechanical details about the core of this planet. That, that's why I posted it. Um, because they said some things in here that was just right on time and right on target. Uh, the pictures they displayed and everything. But there's things in this article uh, mentioning... Uh, Mentioning things that just got my attention and was just off the charts. And you need to understand that now we have a sign to look for, ladies and gentlemen, because this details that during the time of Hezekiah, for some strange reason, the magnetic field of the earth increased by two and a half times. before the Assyrian king of the... <laughs> oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. Nebuchadnezzar, ladies and gentlemen, was the Assyrian king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire, and you should know all about him. Why on earth would... The details that were mentioned, and by the way, that's what I mentioned earlier about uh, Tohu Bohu. It's in that scripture when Nebuchadnezzar did this. Why would the earth's magnetic field around Judah 
have increased by 2.5 times because now we got a sign to look for beyond any shadow of a doubt. The Lord our God has literally, through Hezekiah, through the pottery created during his reign, given the children of the living God a sign to look for. I mean, if I was you and... If you have any friends in Israel, in the academic community, you might want to tell them to give you a heads up if all of a sudden the magnetic field starts spiking there, starts radically increasing. Because it's only going to do so there, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to do so in, oh, China. It's not going to do you any good if you monitor in the, in the United States or Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, they've proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that when the Lord our God decided to pick up his axe and use it in that very vicinity, the earth's magnetic field increased by two and a half times. That's real. That's real, ladies and gentlemen. It's real. They've done proved it. That's something worth talking to your family members about in Sunday school. You might want to talk about that. Now this is just off the charts. And it would seem to me the only way that would be possible is if the magnetic field on the rest of the planet would weaken and it was focused around that foundation stone that lies at the center of his eye. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, let me read just a little bit from this um, article. The team used the jars to take measurements of the Earth's magnetic field around the Levant for over 2,000 years ago. As a magnetic field continues to weaken, scientists are highlighting the importance of off-the-grid energy systems using renewable energy sources to protect us from a blackout. You'll take note how that sounded awful strange. There had obviously been some discord removed from this article. I'll continue anyway. The Earth's climate could also change. A recent Danish study has found that the Earth's weather has been significantly affected by the planet's magnetic field. They claimed that fluctuations in the number of cosmic rays hitting the atmosphere directly alter the amount of cloud covering the planet. At 5,700 degrees Celsius or 10,300 degrees Fahrenheit, this iron is as hot as the sun's surface. Did you catch it? Here. Let me go back to the prior statement, and I'll continue reading, and you'll be able to hear it screaming you in the voice. Somebody removed information from this article before they published it. Let me read it again. They claimed that fluctuations in the number of cosmic rays hitting the atmosphere directly alter the amount of cloud covering the planet. At 10,300 degrees Fahrenheit, this iron is as hot as the sun's surface. Why did they say this iron? 
And what had they stated prior about the iron that had been overly removed from the article before it was published? Why would they do that? Because the author was upset they were editing his article so he didn't make the minute changes necessary to deceive the public so they would know critical information would be removed from this article. It does it twice. Anyway, this is important. But the crushing pressure caused by gravity prevents it from becoming a liquid. Surrounding this outer core is a 1,242-mile-thick layer of iron, nickel, and small quantities of other metal. The metal here is fluid because of the lower pressure than the inner core. Differences in pressure, composition, temperature, the outer core causes convection. Currents in the molten metal is cool, dense matter sinks, and warm matter rises. The calorous force caused by the Earth's spin also causes swirling whirlpools. This flow of liquid iron generates electric currents, which in turn creates magnetic fields. Charged particles passing through these fields go on to create electric currents of their own, and so the cycle continues. This self-sustaining loop is known as the geodynamo. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you what they removed from this article because um, I can figure out why they would have removed it because they didn't want everybody to know what Brian and I released to the public because they released it to the public that one side of the Earth's core is crystallized. And we get a very bad reminder of this every time we have an earthquake. Because contrary to the conspiracy theorist, um, you can prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that uh, the earth is in fact roughly shaped like an apple, and Jerusalem is the apple of his eye because this is a globe. Because every time an earthquake sets off, we can measure the reverberation as it goes all the way through the planet, bounces off the other side, and comes back through. And every time it does so, we're reminded because there's a spot they can plainly detect one side of our cores begun to crystallize. And that's what they didn't want you to know in this article. But, ladies and gentlemen, these things are real. They're live, they're local, and they're late-breaking. And considering what Brian just shared with you about the rebellion of Benjamin and all the treachery that occurred around Netanyahu, by the way, at Ramallah, I hope and I pray that the Lord our God has your attention now. I hope we've provided you with enough facts, documented information that has lured you away or at least helped you forget about all of these so-called eschatology experts and their entertainment industry because that's what they're running. But the Bible, God's holy word, does say that's exactly what they would do come the time of the end. Make no mistakes about it. Brian, we got about six minutes before the break. Uh, why don't you share one of the articles uh, that you wanted to talk about? Or by all means, um, 
we can argue about what I just uh, said about that pottery and about that article if you would like or had if you have uh, additional things you'd like to add. But like I said, we got about six minutes before the break, so shoot from the hip, bud. Oh, let's see here. Well, I mean, I caught when I called in at the very beginning of the show, you brought up um, that interesting little tidbit where the claim was made that the U.S. debt had been cut by $12 billion in the first month. And this initial claim was made by a website called Gateway Pundit. It was later turned around and was picked up by Fox News. And guess what, folks? Once again, they love throwing around that infamous little term on their end of things of fake news, and that's exactly what this was. This was nothing more than uh, atypical timing of the reports coming in. It had nothing to do with anything that Trump has done. If you paid attention, he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot of anything here in this first month, other than pass, you know, odds and ends that haven't really went anywhere. So, a little bit of a misleading story, and it kind of, you know, caught my attention that that was the first thing that was brought up there. Um, let's see, what else have we had here in the last week? Again, we had another attack that happened in Lahore, Pakistan. Um, the report I'm looking at was from that day. It said seven dead. Um, from what I know, it reported eight dead later on in the day. I haven't seen any reports on it later on in the week. But from what I understand, there was reports first that this came out that it was supposed to be possibly some kind of generator explosion, but then it turned out it was a bomb, and it was attributed to, I believe, al-Qaeda at that point in time, but I'm, once again, I'm not sure if this has been updated. There's ISIS has been mentioned in here, and that's who was behind the initial attacks, the two different attacks that happened in Lahore, Pakistan, over the course of the last week. Um, Libya is coming up again in the news. Russia about to mend what the West has left broken in Libya, and that's a bit of an understatement. They came in there, they turned Libya upside down, and it's in absolute chaos again. And as we see, it seems once again Russia has decided to come into the mix and sort of try to correct the chaos we have caused. Um, stop and mention something here. I don't have any stories up on this, but if people have been paying attention, we've had reports of massive famine breaking out in two different places where America is dropping bombs as we speak, and those are both uh, Yemen and Sudan is going into a massive crisis. I believe I saw some same uh, similar news stories concerning Somalia as well. So this is, once again, this is not a good situation for the people that are living in those areas. And we had uh, an attack inside Damascus where Israel scrambled jets into Damascus, Damascus to hit uh, Hezbollah targets. And I need to clarify, you know, because some questions came up about this this week. And, you know, what is uh, Israel's involvement with what's going on in Syria? Well, for the most part, they have essentially stayed out of it. But when you see different things that are flaring up with either Hezbollah, sometimes with uh, Hamas, you will see Israel come in and strike targets there. That's been a bit of the norm as to how they've been operating 
in that area. So this is about the only time you're going to see those jets scrambled in over Damascus and something take place. I mean, it's, I guess on their end of things, tactically, it's a rather smart decision to sort of stay out of that. And that's what they pretty much held to concerning what's happening in Syria. Um, I mean, there's odds and ends I could uh, expand on there, but nonetheless. And, I mean, that's all I got up on the plate at the moment. All right, then that makes for an apropos time to take a break. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to play a couple of songs that are near and dear to my heart. (laughs) I know you've been earnestly expecting me to mention some particular term, but I'm here to tell you that in the Gregco Bible source code, God gives you the real term for this event. It's there. The wonderful things you can do with the Greek language is absolutely amazing. But just sit tight, and I want you to know and understand this. The reason why Tohu Bohu is mentioned in Jeremiah. The reason why Revelation chapter 12 has been written is so that you can know and understand what this phrase means. This rallying cry is mentioned inside the Emmanuel prophecy in Isaiah chapter 8. I'll tell you. To the law and to the testimony, what does that mean? Ladies and gentlemen, when you go to synagogue, you are drilled about one thing continually all year long. What happened during the Exodus? They have an Exodian view of eschatology. So what the Passover is, ladies and gentlemen, it's drilled into their subconscious. The law is the law God wrote with his own finger. That's the Ten Commandments. The testimony is the miraculous deliverance out of Egypt. So you need to know what is referred to in the New Testament when it says that Primus Resurrectorate holds to the testimony of Jesus Christ. What that is meaning, what he's meaning there, is of course the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, ladies and gentlemen, just like the book of Exodus begins, that's how Jesus' ministry began with the slaughter of the innocents. His ministry finished, of course, with his death and resurrection. He did come in the flesh. He did die. He went through that tribulation, and he was resurrected. That is the testimony of Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh. He died, and he was resurrected. So you have to understand that your whole entire context for biblical eschatology has been out of sorts this whole time. If you read the book of Revelation without the context of the Exodus, you had no idea what you were reading, and it would make you absolutely confused, case in point. Me and... Uh, John Mark Gomez on the Spreaker broadcast, I think it was, or perhaps it was the talk shoot, Biblicating the Bride. I can't remember which one yet. 
But we mentioned a simple fact that there for the seven seals, there's a group mentioned, and they're told to wait a little while longer and given white robes until the number that they were going to be was completed. That number has to be finished counted. That in the Exodus, when a Jew reads that, he knows that's representative of the Israelites that died in the wilderness during the 40 years. They were not allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven. They were not allowed to enter into the promised land, so to speak. Do you understand? That's exactly what's going to happen at Primus Resurrectorate. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, they don't get to be the bride. They, they, they don't get to be the bride. Because Christ deems them worthy to rule with him. They are the rod of iron. That's who's going to be taking care of the bride for the 1,000 years. So, yes, they, they will be there, but they will be administers of it, and they will have a job to do, whereas the bride will not. Please know that God did not write the Bible to confuse you. And if you don't understand the, the end, it's because you cannot perceive the beginning. He didn't write Jeremiah to confuse you. I don't care what your pastors told you. God did not. It was his last intention to write Revelation to confuse you. No, he wrote it so you would know what is to come. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. And I don't want you to be caught unawares because if you're caught unawares... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid your face is going to snap like a twig. You're listening to the End Time Tribune.
are listening to the In Time Tribune. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. We are your host, Matthew Miller and Brian Ingram. It's good to be with you tonight. It's great, a blessing, and an honor to be able to bring to you the prophetic events leading up to the coming Christ the King. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Brian, what else did uh, you want to talk about? Uh, what other news did you want to cover? Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that we can. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can just scroll down at my Facebook page if you're friends with me. If not, just send me a friend request. I'll get it done. That's basically what that is the hub for. All of the 
news that is broken over um, the course of the week. Uh, so, Brian, did you have any news articles you wanted to uh, pick out, or should I just start bringing them up? Uh, I had one more left on my plate that uh, came out in this last week here. might have a few others, but uh, we had told people to kind of keep an eye on this one for a while. We did a program, a video on this on the Bands of Time YouTube channel called The Covenant with Death. And this thing went through this week. And it's the largest investment that Israel has ever made. $3.7 billion dollar investment in Israel's Leviathan gas reservoir, a blow to the BDS. See here, the announcement that the partners of the Leviathan gas reservoir will invest $3.7 billion in its development is a devastating blow to the BDS movement. Ellie Groner, Director General of the Prime Minister's Office, told the Jerusalem Post on Thursday... The development of Leviathan, which is scheduled to take about three years, is both the largest energy project and financial investment in Israel in the country's history. Well, I guess not to be undone, Baghdad signed off on a proposed pipeline from Kirkuk to Iran in this last week as well. So we've had two major gas deals here, oil and gas deals take off in the last week. And if people have been paying attention, they're trying to get more, uh, how do we put this, uh, restrainment on OPEC, trying to get the cost of oil back up again, which when the entire market is flooded from every which direction, a little bit problematic. And as they have, continue to the Dakota pipelines are trying to put that into effect and everything else here. So, you know, it kind of reminds me of in the time of Solomon when silver had no value because there was too much of it. Well, that's really where this circumstance now is led with oil. Yeah, this is, this is definitely heading for a crescendo. There's no doubt about it, but, the Persians came right online just just right in the nick of time and just flooded the market same time that Lydia, uh, Libya opened up its spigots, flooding the market. And we here in the United States of America are still paying outrageous gas prices. Um, to the ratio of barrel of oil, we should be paying like a dollar for a gallon of gasoline. And the American people are just putting up with it, putting up with it, putting up with it. So this is going to go across the world. It's going to shudder across the entire world. And it's going to have dire consequences. It, it really is. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Silk Road don't run without the black gold. I, I hope everybody knows that um, it takes diesel for the ships. It takes diesel for the train. It takes diesel for the trucks. You don't get your Pepsi 
You don't get your toilet paper. You don't get your coffee without the black gold. That's what runs the Silk Road. It's not done by horseback anymore. And when we have an event that God is obviously planning for through the Assyrian, you're not going to like it very much because, ladies and gentlemen, that is all in the hands of one of those writers, isn't it? Now, there is a reason why I, I guess God is leading me back and back and back to Tohu Bohu in Jeremiah chapter 4. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why God wanted you to know that the first writer has a bow. I mean, that's why it says that in Jeremiah chapter 4. But let me guess. You didn't know that. Me and my son just had a conversation today about uh, one of the kids he works with, been born and raised in the church, went to church every Sunday his whole life. And Aaron asked him, so what do you think about Cain? And the poor kid didn't know what Cain he was talking about. He thought he was talking about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because Arnold Schwarzenegger had played Cain in some end of days movie. He had no idea, ladies and gentlemen, and this kid is 15 years old, and he doesn't know that, no, Cain is in the Bible, and he's pretty important. So it wouldn't surprise me if you didn't know what God loudly proclaimed there in Jeremiah chapter 4. I, I really, now that I, I'm sitting here thinking about it, I really don't expect you to know that, because the bad shepherds would never want you to know why God puts that into Jeremiah chapter 4. Uh, so you would know that when the riders ride, when everything happens, um, the bow is mentioned in conjunction with the rider. They don't, they don't want you to know that. And I, and I am sorry uh, about that. Uh, but I am telling you the truth. And it's probably disturbing to you, um, but you need to take a read over um, Jeremiah, the fourth chapter. And you need to realize that that lines directly up with Isaiah chapter 24. It says the exact same things. And it, of course, lines up with the sixth seal event and Revelation chapter 12. It mentions everything the same way. He just puts it in different verbiage, but he's literally saying the same exact thing. And what happens there is exactly what the Assyrian king Nebuchadnezzar did. It's exactly what he did. But you need to know and understand this, okay? That uh, verse 23 there has not happened yet. You're supposed to know that verses 19 uh, through 31 of Jeremiah chapter 4 is when time goes topsy-turvy. That's why tohu bohu is used in verse 23. I'll read it in the New American Standard uh, Version for you. 
I looked in on the earth, and behold, it was formless and void, and to the heavens they had no light. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremiah did not see that. That's not what he actually saw. God was showing him when he gets up, and it's the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Now, you need to understand that verse 29 is worded a couple of different ways in different versions. The New American Standard Version puts it like this. At the sound of the horsemen and bowmen, every city flees. Of course, the King James Version says, The whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. You're supposed to know that uh, eventually you shouldn't have to drink milk anymore. And you should at least eventually be able to decipher this one verse in Hebrew to tell you what it, it means. So, uh, just so you know, uh, he's letting you know that that's why in the next verse he says this, And when thou art spoiled, thou, what, what wilt thou do? Uh, though thou closest thyself with crimson... Ladies and gentlemen, don't don't you know uh, that is shiny? Well, that's red. But I'll I'll stop right there. Um, just show so you know that 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 this is all real, live and local and late breaking, and God intends to disrupt. <sighs> ah, yes, um, He intends to. Uh, Disrupt the Agagite's flow of produce across this planet. Uh, but we also had uh, some events come up that uh, got my attention loud and clear. And um, I don't think me and Brian had talked about this yet or privately. But uh, this was released uh, on the 17th this week. 1,200 Jewish pilgrims pray at Joseph's tomb in Shechem. As the pilgrims entered the biblical site, security forces nabbed Arab residents of Shechem, in whose possession bombs, knives, was found. What I posted on the social networking site was this. Are we having a Joseph moment? People probably don't understand what I mean by that. Brian and I spent a lot of good time over there on SoundCloud when we were doing that over there. Uh, massively important broadcast we did over there about the 2,300 days. And the simple fact that Brian and I have been arguing privately for some time as to whether we would have a Joseph event illicitly for the purpose of the bride. Would God give us seven years of plenty so that the bride could prepare for seven years of lean? This is, sticks out to me, 1,200. Um, of course, everybody probably knows that when the rest of that group in Revelation that are given right robes are numbered, their number of completion is, of course, 144,000. 
And here we have a percentage of that, 1,200 Jewish pilgrims. Now, it bothers me that as the pilgrims were entering the premises, IDF forces arrested three, spe- uh, three suspects, residents of Shechem, in whose possession was found a pipe bomb, two Molotov cocktails, and a knife. No body was wounded, no damage caused. The suspects were taken to be dealt with further by security forces. Oh yes, I'm sure they most certainly dealt with them further. Uh, no doubt about it. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is prophetically off the charts. This is in conjunction. What do you think is going to happen when the Palestinians that are abroad, which are really Jordanians, by the way, that that's really the sons of Lot, actually. That's where their true citizenship is. When they all get put back into the parceled out land that's been put into parcels of promise and non-promise parcels, what do you think is going to happen? Because they'll have the complete financial backing of at least the Turkish deep state. At the very least, they will have all that at their disposal. And of course, the Lord our God tells us full well who will be pulling their strings and providing most of their funding, that would be the country of Jordan. Just so you know. That's what God himself tells us in Psalms 83. So, Brian, your thoughts on the releasing of this article and your thoughts, uh, and I certainly am uh, glad that they caught uh, these well, terrorist, I, I don't guess there's another word for them. Uh, your thoughts on this article and uh, the numbering of the pilgrims there? Uh, their timing, you know, with the number was rather interesting. That's what caught my attention. First and foremost is... 1,200 of them going into the Joseph standout move. Um, you know, you touched again on uh, going on there with Turkey and the Hamas. I mean, this week on top of it, we also had the IDF had intercepted a Hamas drone flying into Israeli territory. The Israel Air Force took down a UAV, which infiltrated Israeli aerial territory on Thursday afternoon. The drone appears to belong to Hamas and came from the direction of the Gaza Strip. And by the sounds of it, a lot of these varied Islamic uh, groups, these uh, varied terror groups, are using all kinds of variants in drone, uh, drones. ISIS has been using them. Hamas using them top of it as well. So that's another rather interesting timing on this one. If I remember correctly, this came out before the announcement of the meeting there in Turkey. So it's rather interesting how this all keeps going back to back to back here. And I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to go ahead. That brings me to the next article. It's just back to back to back to back. Yeah, 
Yeah. This is the next article. Uh, was also released this week, of course, the 23rd. UN and the EU demand Israel halt demolitions of illegal Palestinian homes. Okay, if you're admitting that they're illegal, uh, you should probably demolish them. Uh, the call came just days after Israel initiated bureaucratic proceedings to demolish the entire herding village of Al-Khan al-Amar. Israel must halt its demolitions of illegal Palestinian and Bedouin structures in Area C of the West Bank. Oh, that's, that's not the West Bank, ladies and gentlemen. That's Judea. Yeah, we've, we've been seem to be mentioning that area here repeatedly this broadcast. The United Nations and the European Union said on Wednesday, the call came just days after Israel initiated bureaucratic proceedings to demolish, and it restates that which I already read. Uh, the coordinator for the humanitarian aid and UN development activities for the Palestinian territories, Robert Piper, the director of UN relief and agency, Scott Anderson, visited Al-Khan al-Amar. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is off the charts. And just so you all know, that there is already UN forces there in the buffer zone. You probably didn't know that, did you? Yes, there is, ladies and gentlemen. There is already UN forces there that's in the demilitarized zone. Now, as of yet, they don't include American troops, but they very well could once this goes mega ballistic because this is all back to back to back to back to back with what I've already stated. UN comes out, well, first of all, there's a gathering of 70 nations against Israel. Then there were 72. I appreciate that. I don't know why they did that. And they come up with this resolution declaring this uh, illegal. And uh, so the Knesset comes right out and says, we're going to prove 10,000 more and we're going to keep right on building. Ladies and gentlemen, you might as well say that the fuse has already been lit. It's already been lit. To date in 2017, it said the IDF has raised 135 structures, displacing 218 Palestinians in Area C. Last year, the IDF demolished 872 structures in Area C, affecting 6,088 Palestinians, of whom 1,663 were children, according to the EU. When they keep saying this, they keep saying is, those are illegal. They're illegal. That has been deemed to be promised land parcels. Those are supposed to, supposed to be promised parcels there in Judea. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we speak right now, this is already at the boiling point, this issue. Same week that the deep state announces they want a highway of return for the Palestinians right back into this very area of Judea. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is news back to back to back to back. We are rushing headlong into the wake of the writers. That's why they are unleashed. 
That's why they're unleashed, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not lying to you. Now, there's a date you need to keep in your mind. I'm going to read straight from my post that I posted at endtimetribune.blogspot.com so you'll be able to understand what's, what's, what's coming up here pretty soon. June 7th, 2017 will be the 50th anniversary of the Israeli reclaiming the Temple Mount. August 29th, 2017 will be the 120th anniversary of the First Sinus Congress. November the 2nd, 2017 will be the 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. This is where it gets tricksy, so you better listen. November the 29th. 2017 will be the 70th anniversary of the United Nations vote to establish a Jewish promised land in Israel. December 23rd, 2016, was a complete nine-month birthing cycle before the wondrous sign of revelation to occur. In 2017, the United Nations Security Council passed a resolution 2334, thereby dividing the land into promise, non-promise parcels. Ladies and gentlemen, these temporia seculars are real, and they occur this year. These are the facts that 5777 is alphanumerically in the Masoretic Text. 50, as in 50 exactly times. Probably should want to do some biblicating of yourself as to where God would want to put that alphanumerical equation into the Bible, God's holy word, exactly 50 times with everything that I just read to you. Because all these alphanumerical seculars of time occur this year, not next. And I hope you appreciated that little one that I added there about the birthing cycle. They, let, let me state that again clearly for you. Okay, let, let me do this. First, I will read to you how the prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 4 ends. For I have heard a voice of a sick woman, the anguish as one bearing her first child, the voice of Zion's daughter grasping and spreading her hands, saying, Woe is to me now, for my soul faints because of murderers. On December the 23rd, 2016, the United Nations Security Council passed Resolution 2334, thereby dividing Israel into promise slash non-promise parcels of land. That date is exactly a nine-month birthing cycle before the sign of Revelation 12 occurs in the heavens on September the 23rd, 2017. The Brian I just mentioned to you that this group of children, this male child, is what was overtly being targeted by these witches. Not Donald Trump. 
And let me tell you why they used, and I will tell you the true meaning of the tarot card called the tower card. That's in reference to Mount Zion and those who will ascend to Mount Zion. That's real. I'm telling you the truth. There's only one group going to ascend Mount Zion. Just one group. That's what Obadiah says. That's what Revelation chapter 14 says. Just one group. Just one. And they're not who you think they are. That group is called Hebraically. Now, this is not a theological term I'm going to give you. But it's real. It's in the Bible. They are called the Moshiim. And they're going to be half of the stick in Christ's hand that he rules and reigns with. See, that's why God tells you that Christ will rule the nations with a rod of iron. You're supposed to know the prophecies about the two sticks in his hand. That's why, well, let's just, Isaiah chapter 26, that's why that's written. It wasn't written to confuse you. No, the theologians have confused you. The Moshiim are real. And what's even real pathetic is even the New Agers who get all their advanced information from the Kabbalist, which gets their information from the Bible God's Holy Word. They know all about the indigo children being the ones that's going to ascend and lead creation through the age of Aquarius. Now that's real. I'm telling you something real. The Moshiim are real. God said so. That's what he said. So, uh, I'm sorry I don't have any theological terminology to back that up. I can't tell you exactly where they are. Exactly. They are, of course, prophetically mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 27. And they're in the book of Obadiah, verse 21. And by the way, I just heard some, well, I don't know what I want to call him. Perhaps he thinks he's competition, although he's not qualified to be so. I mean, no more than there's competition between ants and man. But at any rate, the Latin never was a Bible. Never was God's holy word. No more than the Russian is. No more than the King James is. No, 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 no. Just so you know, the rapture, it comes from the entertainment industry. It entered the English language through Shakespeare. He did it three times, and I published it. Please look it up. Look it up. I'm not lying to you. The Latin was exclusively used to deceive the children of the promise. That's no Bible. I'll tell you what the Bible is. It's the two sides of a coin. One side of that coin is just like the ones in a computer binary program. It's Hebrew. It's comprised of the Masoretic text coupled with the Delich New Testament. The other side of that coin, which comprises the zeros, if you will, of a binary program, is the Greek. Exactly what Christ was reading from in the synagogues. That was the Septuagint he was reading. You can plainly read that and realize he was quoting from the Septuagint. Everybody knows this. And the Aditya Regia. 
That's the Bible, God's holy word. Not the English, not the Russian, not the Portuguese, although I appreciate the Spanish version. It's a lot closer to the truth than the American is. I'm telling you stuff that's real. Go look it up. For the love of God, go look it up. And you'll see exactly what I'm saying is, is the truth. And then you're going to have to ask your preacher, your teacher, your theologians. You need to ask them why they don't know that term. Why they, they don't know what the Moshiim are. Because God makes himself pretty daggone clear. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 4, and I mean yada, 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 yada. Yada, 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 yada. Here, ask him what this term is. You know Emmanuel, don't you? Well, why is it twice in God's word that he uses the plural form? What is Emmanuel Elohim? What is that? What is that term? Ask him what that term is in, I don't know, Latin. Go ahead, do it, please. I'm desperately trying to get you prepared. I don't want your faith to snap like a twig, because God don't deal with twigs. He's going to rule with rod of iron, and you need to know that's for your benefit. You're not in any danger. You never was. But that's beside the point. Sorry about that little diatribe. I didn't mean to get uh, overtly emotional there. Uh, But needless to say, uh, things go on and on and on. Right here, we must cover this concerning the Crusaders before you get caught up in doing things you don't want to do, like helping witches curse the Emmanuel Elohim. Um, This was released the 22nd, of course, this week. Extremism from both sides. What does the research tell us about Islamist extremism and far-right extremism? You are not going to like this, ladies and gentlemen. You're not going to like it. This is the truth. This is the fact of the matters. You should be a whole lot more worried about crusaders. Yep. And just so you know, the white boys have always been very efficient at conquering. You know, like Rome. Like Alexander the Great. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying. U.S. victims of extremism, 1990 through 2017. The risk of far-right extremism is often ignored or underestimated because of the devastating impact of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. This graph shows victims of terrorism in the U.S., excluding 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombing. The Islamist extremist only constitutes 136 U.S. victims. The Crusaders account for 272 American victims. I don't know how to else to say that. Um, between 1990 and uh, 2014, the ECDB has identified 38 homicide events motivated by Islamic extremism that killed 62 people. Now, when you include 9-11, those numbers jump dramatically to 39 homicide events to 3,058 killed. The database also identified 177 homicide events motivated by crusaders. 
with 245 killed. When you include the Oklahoma City bombing, it rises to 178 homicide events and 413 killed. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, there's things you should be concerned with. And I'm going to tell you a couple of them so you can have a heads up. If you are obsessed with non-biblical theological terminology, like rapture, you should be worried because that's Latin for rape. If you are dabbling in flat earth groups you're in danger if you are dabbling in purpose driven churches you're in danger if you are caught up in the prosperity gospel You are in danger because eventually they're going to use these numbers and they are going to come for you, just so you know. Because you're more dangerous than the Islamic terrorists, the Islamic terrorists, and they've already proved that. They've proved it. That's it. Uh, We're up to 90 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, until the next time, God bless, Godspeed. Brian uh, is going to take us out. He'll say goodbye here in a minute. Don't forget that you can find us on um, TalkShoe, Biblicating the Bride. We're on Spreaker, the End Time Tribune. We're on BTR, the End Time Tribune, uh, the Bands of Time. You'll also get our broadcast there. we got stuff on YouTube, and Brian has stuff on his other website. Uh, hook up with us. We're trying to biblicate the bride to get her ready. Brian, uh, say goodnight. Take us out of here, please. Thanks for joining us, folks. God bless. <laughs>